Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now, today, I'm gladly to say that we are joined by Tom Scottson from the Non-League Lounge Podcast. How are you doing, Tom? Very good. Thanks very much for having me on, Dan. It's uh, it's great to be here. Good. Um, so, yeah, we'll ask you some questions. But first, how's the lockdown three sort of going for you? Yeah, it's all right, mate. Not too bad. Um, I'm finding it a bit more difficult probably than the first or second one. The first bit of a novelty even though there wasn't any football, I luckily had a job um, as a bit of a key worker and I just started the podcast myself, the non-league lounge. So that was quite interesting getting to interview people on Zoom. Uh, it was quite unfortunate because we had people coming in originally being interviewed face-to-face. We'd only managed to get about four or five of them, but Zoom was just what I'd all been used to. I think the third one's more difficult now is because after the first lockdown, we managed to get loads of people in the studio. That just become the norm then, and it'd been really interesting. Get face to face, more photos, and then just to be put back on Zoom like that—that that feels harder. With the transition yeah. to the first one, felt a bit more easy. So it's been all right, mate. Not too bad. There are people that are in a lot worse position than me, so yeah. I've got to be grateful for that. Right, Alex, I believe you've got a question actually on the podcast um, first. So go ahead. Uh, so I was just wondering, uh, how did the non-league lounge like, actually come around? Oh, it's a very good question, Alex, and it's one that I've been thinking about for a while, and I think I was looking about it in my diary. It's about a year ago today it was launched. So what happened was is that, like many people, unfortunately, I've been a non-league fanatic. I've been sucked into that world, and it's uh, it's been amazing. Like, I love non-league football, and I've been following Altrincham for, it must have been about 13 years now. And I'd just come back and had this terrible time doing a ski season, which most people you probably heard about it think it's going to be the time of your life. And it just didn't turn out for me like that. It was one of those things. And it was unfortunate, but, you know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, don't you? Anyway, I was, I think it was during January in 2020. So still being able to go to games, COVID-19, I'd never been heard of. No one had heard of lockdown, social distancing, none of that, vaccine, whatever. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, we were just... We were driving back from, and I was taking three drunk lads back with me from Kettering Town away, and we'd won 2 0. It's actually quite funny. I'll just interrupt myself there. I remember I was, I, was t- I took a picture, a picture on my Instagram stories. Now I'm not as good, probably good with you guys as Instagram, but I put Kettering Town away on my Instagram, and someone messaged me saying, Oh, I hope you're having a nice time, a ski season. I thought, Does this look like I'm in the Alps? <laughs> <laughs> so we just, we won great, and I was on the way back, and we were just chatting absolute rubbish. On it, just about non-league footy because I think we were doing well, looking to get in the playoffs. Altrincham usually start poorly, but we towards the end of the season we end up, and middle of the season we end up getting some good results. So I thought this is quite interesting. Even though these are drunk, I'm sober here, and I know that I'm finding this interesting. I thought I listen to a lot of podcasts, mainly politics, because that's what I did as a degree. But there is nothing like this out there that people talk about footy, but there's nothing quite like a non-league football podcast. And I was in a bit of a no man's land at this point as well. I'd just been going to football games. I've been doing nothing the other day because I'd just come back. I'd got no job. I thought, what do I do? Now, not many people are fortunate, and Dan will know that I've got a studio attached to my house, which is the room I'm in now. So I thought, well, why don't I use this studio, which somehow exists next to the house? No idea again how that idea came about and record a podcast. Yeah, I love chatting rubbish, you know, meeting great people, love talking about footy as you lads do. So anyway, I was, in, I was eating my, t- uh, my breakfast at about 1pm, as you know, usually people think about students do, but I was doing that at that time. Pete comes through the door and I go, non-league football podcast. And the idea was born from then, really, and it's just, it's taken off. I've interviewed so many great people, as I'm sure we'll touch upon later, but it's just been 
I mean, as you guys know, I just love podcasting. I love broadcasting on radio. It's great. And I love writing. But there's something about podcasting. I don't know what it is, and I haven't found it yet, that I'm so enthusiastic about. And it's just, there's something about it. I don't know what it is, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit more relaxed, I would say, on a podcast compared, yeah. compared to a radio, especially because I know you broadcast live as well. So it just feels a bit more slow and not as strict, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely agree. I think that the thing is you can edit things out if you don't like them. You can stray away from conversations. I think you can be a, you can be a bit more confident because you know if a conversation doesn't go well or if you ask a question that maybe offends someone because it's going to happen at one time. You're going to ask yeah. a question someone's going to think whoa that goes on a weird path you can bring it back and edit that out and it and it seems seamless so i think that it gives you more freedom there whereas radio you've got to be a lot more careful because again if you say something there that's the relationship done it and you can hear that awkwardness yeah it's more freedom i think that's that's something that i've discovered yeah um sorry go on alex i think uh, as well before uh dan asked me to to join the podcast and everything I actually um, created an Instagram account where I'd like uh, post news about Everton because that's what I was into. And I think it's just because I like, I like to voice my opinion. And I think before I did the podcast, I found it hard to do that. That's why I started the Instagram account. So yeah, I can see where like a lot of people are starting podcasts now just to like voice their opinion and have an opinion in football for people to respect. And yeah, it's just uh, one of the main reasons I joined the podcast. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll go on to my question now. And what what's your best mo- moment as an Ulti fan, would you say? Oh, mate, there's, there's so <laughs> many. Do you want funniest? Do you want most euphoric? So you, you know, should, should we have funniest, saddest? Oh, God, plenty of them. <laughs> um, and uh, best goal you've ever seen. Well, oh, after them three. Great. So we'll go, for, we'll go for funniest. So how do you, is it no swearing? Do you want me just uh, completely... Um, well, not no. completely against it, I don't think. Yeah, go yeah, for it. Say anything. Be careful language. Anyway, so this must have been now. It's coming up to, uh, I think, two two years now. So what happened was is that I used to go to football. I, I, I used to go to football because I love it. I love watching Ulti. I support it. But anyway, I think it got to my fourth year of university and I started talking to everyone about Ulti now. Most people, you know, I think I met a Leeds fan, you know, West Brom, your championship. You do meet some weird fans at uni, but it's mainly the bigger teams. Yeah. And because yeah. Manchester United were huge when I was young, and they're still big now, but they were winning everything, then most people were probably United fans, you know, even from Bristol. So anyway, I can, I rock up to uni and they go, who do you support? And I go, Altrincham. And they think, that that is rogue. You know, what who the, what even is Altrincham? So anyway, I was talking to my mates. I said, we should really go to an Ulti away game because you'd love it. It's fun. And they were like big boozers as well. And even it's weird because I'm not, you know, I do drink quite a bit, but I'm nothing like mega. Yeah, you know, I go out normally. I wouldn't, you know, do every day or anything, but I never really drink at the footy. Very odd. I don't know why, but people find that peculiar. Anyway, they're like, right, we'll go for a big day sesh. When's the next game? And Alfreton, because it's so close to Sheffield, we thought, right, we'll go there. So we get some cans on the train and it's all going all right. You know, a bit Larry gets to some microbrewery. There's nothing in Alfreton at all. There's a microbrewery and there's a couple of shops. That's it. It's a stadium that has got one roof, you know, typical non-league ground. So anyway, we get, we get a bit, you know, overexcited, shall we say. We've had a few beers. If I've had three, then I'm gone anyway. <laughs> so we get into the ground and I've got with me, so I'm with I'm a proper Alti fan and two of my good mates who just wanted to come down for Alti today. There's a guy called Colin, who's some weird biologist so clever another guy called Bentley is also incredibly intelligent but is the biggest 
drinker, pisser, whatever you've ever yeah. met. Anyway, we get in and I see my dad. He's come down as well. I didn't know he was coming. So all going to be a good day. Anyway, National League North, you know, you can drink. Uh, you can drink outside and watch the terraces. So Bentley goes, right, I'm going to go and get a few beers to resolve. So anyway, 15 minutes goes by and we've already scored about two or three goals by now. We're 3-0 up. I think, what the hell is going on here? Anyway, next thing I know, I turn the right and I see four stewards, I'm not joking, trying to grapple this Bentley out. Mate. He's about six foot four, huge lad, out of the stands. They're all about 70 and he's giving it back. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So we go over, me and my dad start running over. Obviously, everyone's giving him a bit of chip, the away fans. And they go, what have you done? We hear from one of the stewards that apparently is about to take these beers out. And the steward went, you can't, you can't drink outside. <laughs> and he turns to her and goes, fuck off. <laughs> and walks off. So I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. Anyway, my dad comes over and pretends to be his dad. and says, you know, this is, this is unlike him. It's very like him. This is unlike him. You're not with stuff like this. Bring him over. So anyway, because they would have chucked him out anyway, but because they're all 70 and all, what can stewards do? You know, you yeah. can't chuck yeah. them out. This is right, keep them in, keep them in. Anyway, by this point as well, Colin, my other friend, is falling asleep at this point. He's he's knackered, he's had too many beers. Gets to the second half, Bentley's behaving himself now, not singing. He's tops up though for some reason, no idea why. And uh, Colin, next thing I know, 60 minutes, he's falling asleep on the terraces. Now, not sideways, <laughs> but over them, so that it's all down his back. Oh, God. Him. What, what is happening here? Anyway. Oh, no. Get to the game. I think it gets about 5-0, 6-0. I slap Colin every game to just see if he's conscious. He is fine. He's all right. Anyway, walk out. It gets to 7-0. It gets that ridiculous. I think Bentley, when we're, I think he falls over the advertising boards at one point because when we're scoring, it, was, it just gets ridiculous. Anyway, we're walking out, me, Bentley, and my dad. And my dad says, right, I'll take you back to Sheffield, lads. What a great game. Phenomenal. We go, where's Colin? And like, ah, he'll find us somehow, whatever. Bentley goes, was that game 4-1? It was 7-0. Now, what are <laughs> Anyway, come out, we're in the car and look at a phone half an hour later. Can't believe we've left Colin. We find out he's in hospital. What the hell's happened there? Two hours later, we get back to Sheffield, you know, have a few more beers. Think, right, we'll go for a night out, go for a curry. FaceTime and he's just come down to Mansfield Hospital. Apparently, he's been involved in a fight. I think, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, great, we believe him. Turns out a couple of days later, we find, yeah, there was an altering fan that was stuck in the uh, toilet. Uh, apparently, he passed out <laughs> conscious. I thought, right, who could that have been? Uh, who could that realistically have been? Obviously, it was Colin getting it. He had to go to hospital because he didn't get in a fight. He had his stomach pumped. Uh, what? I mean, he's renowned for a liar anyway, so, but he's a great, he was a great, great bloke. But honestly, I mean, that was the first time I've been properly drinking and that had happened. I thought, <laughs> honestly, I saw so, I mean, why give a um, a short story when you, you can give a long one anyway? Exactly. Like, yeah, and it was that was possibly the most bizarre non-league day I've been on. Yeah, what would you say uh, your saddest experience has been supporting Alte? Again, this is another. There's so many. I've seen so many relegations. I think the worst one was when I was at Colchester away in the FA Cup. Now, you lads, again, because you support Premier League teams you might not hold the FA Cup in the same esteem. It's, in, it's just another trophy. If you win it, it looks great, doesn't it? It's another one in the cabinet. Yeah. Probably stops the manager from being We well, yeah, haven't won anything in time. Oh, exactly. so. I know. Oh, <laughs> I, fair, yeah, with Everton, it'd be unbelievable. Yeah. Like, three times in a row. Yeah. Um, but it, it, for us, even though we never know we're going to make it even to you know the quarterfinal, the, even the round five, it's just an opportunity to play some of the best teams in England. You know, get to some of the best stadiums. That it's been my dream ever to get to Old Trafford, to get to the Etihad, to get to Goodison Park, 
just to see Alti play. I don't mind if we get beat 10 nil. It, yeah. It's just going there for the experience. I want, and I know people are going to criticize me for this. I want that half and half scarf. I want that program. I want, I want the whole day out. Yeah. So anyway, we beat Barnsley in the round before one nil and it was just an unbelievable experience. I thought I'd never see Alti beat a league team in my time because of how horrendous we've been in the FA Cup. Anyway, we get to Colchester away and it's a five hour drive. I would do it. I'd do whatever. If we got Plymouth, if we got anywhere in Land's End, I'd go, but a long drive. And I thought, I went on the coach. Okay, you know, with a few mates, big Alti fans. We bought about 400, moderate attendance, not too bad. Let's go. Anyway, we get there and we go 1 0 up very early on. Again, hope that kills you. I think it's going to go all right. They equalised in the first half. One all at half time, not too bad. Anyway, get, we, we, I think we score again very early in the second half. Goes to 2 1, think, great, not too bad. It gets to 2 2. Marvin Sordell, he probably he played for Team GB, I think. Yeah. You know, so it was not a bad team they had. It was kind of has been washed up footballers anyway it gets a 2-2 and it's the 90th minute I think right I'll take the draw bring him back to my slate we probably won't win but what a result is and we're at least we're in the hat for the third round anyway in the 93rd minute we get a one-on-one with their keeper he's a left-footed mid- left midfielder and he twists and turns the the life out of their centre-back he falls over but because he's so left-footed he has to I think he puts it on his right when he's twisting and turning him and he's one-on-one with the goalkeeper and he should have just put it in with his right foot, puts it back on his left, keeper makes a comfortable save. 30 seconds later, they go up the other end of the pitch, massive hoof ball up. Our defender bikes, instead of heading it out of play, heads it back into the, um, just on the edge of the D. And the, 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 I mean, his man of match, I can't remember what his name was, but he did this wonder strike in the top right-hand corner and that was it. Like, yeah. Everyone just went quiet. And, I'm not, you know, ashamed to say this. I went back five hours and I just started crying. I was 18. You know what I mean? That, yeah. You're a grown man crying back. Um, I, I just, I thought that was it. Like, I'd never, ever see anything like that because that, I think it was more emotional for me because that's all I'd wanted to see in my whole ulti. Yeah, I just wanted to see that. Yeah. I thought that was over, that was gone. And it was just devastating to see how close we were and then it just taken away from you. And I guess that's the beauty of football in one way because those last minute moments make it, you know, those glimpses, those seconds make a huge ordeal of a season worthwhile, but they also make it even more painful, especially going back on those huge journeys. So it was gut wrenching. And, you know, I've seen us lose six nil. I've seen us lose five nil. I've seen us, but nothing feels worse. And you guys will probably agree. And I'd like to hear your opinions. Nothing feels worse than losing in the last minute. And a game that just means everything to you. Yeah. So unfortunately, that you know that is the lowest of the lows, and somehow the highest of the highs make it all seem worth it. <laughs> yeah, Alex, have you had an experience like that last minute winner against uh, Merseyside derby? Um, Arigi in the last minute, Jordan Pickford just pulls it back into play. I think, um, and obviously they didn't have VAR then, and I was like, because I think I was in um, my uncle's house and all of my family that is split between like Everton and Liverpool, and it just went in, and my heart just dropped and. I don't think I could um, watch Everton for for another four or five weeks because I just like completely fell out of love with them. And then it took me a while to to start watching, start getting a few wins on the bounce and then, yeah, just started to slowly get back into it. So it is very hard when when you lose like that. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. My my, my experience for a last minute winner. Everybody take a guess. I'll take, take a guess. Is he a United fan? Have a, uh, have a guess. 
Shall I go first? Yeah, get, Tommy, you go first. I think, I I think it's when City won in the last minute, they won the Prem in the yeah. last minute. Yeah, that was the worst thing. I must, what was, what year was that? 2011? Something like 2012? I think, I think 2012 because it was 20 years of the Premier League and that was voted the best season. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was because I remember so United had just won it and the City game had two minutes left. It was like Sky Sports 2 back in the day and stuff like that. So I switched it over to Sky Sports 1. Next minute, I see Zabaleta, I think it is, just pass it to Balotelli uh, or Jacko or something. And then it goes to Aguero and then I just see all the City fans and I literally just start sobbing on the ground. It's like the worst moment of my life ever. But, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. It, I mean, I remember watching that live and it's one of those things that I'm thankful that I watched the whole way through. Yeah. But I think maybe I was more sympathetic to United then. Now I, I just don't care. <laughs> but it was, I could feel a little bit of your pain because I was happy when, I think, was it, who was it? Was it Jamie Mackey that scored the second goal for QPR? It just seems Some, surreal. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that that's mad. Uh, staying with the FA Cup and Alty have got that record. I, I can't remember. Is it uh, they've knocked out the most Premier League sides or something in the competition? So it's the most league sides we've not. I think we've, yeah. we've beaten Birmingham City, who were a Premier League team at the time, all Division One. Yeah, but we've knocked that eighteen, and I think I think that makes it even more difficult. Going back to my point there is that. We've had this long, illustrious record in the FA Cup, beating all these big teams. I think it was 17 before we beat Barnsley. And I'd never been able to be a part of any of that. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm so jealous because we played Everton. We'd equalised. With, no, we went ahead and then drew with them. We've played in, at Anfield. We've scored there. We've drew, drew, uh, drew against Tottenham. We've beaten Blackpool. We've beaten Sheffield United comfortably. I think we got, got um, was it goal of the season in the 90s when we played Chester? at home and they were a league side again and people forget that Chester were this big side league two league one beat them two nil comfortably made them look the non-league side yeah and to not and to see that that makes it more painful because if we were just a club with no history then I'd think well that's always been the way there's nothing there's nothing different there but to see I mean it's different now because it's changed over the last couple of years but just to see the decline of what Ultram Football Club was in the past since I've been supporting them compared to what they used to be it's just horrific and I think that's what the FA Cup gave me glimpses of, that we're not going to be league beaters again because there are teams with such strong financial arsenals in our division and even the Conference North and the Conference South. But the FA Cup just gives you a couple of games to get to these big teams. And the money you can make from that and the revenue can completely change a club. So maybe I'd just always hope from that, that must have been another aspect of why I love the FA Cup. But yeah, it's it's difficult. Luckily, things have changed the last couple of years and I can see us having a good run eventually. But that's what makes it more painful that hearing the stories that my dad and his friends talk about and I just think, wow, we're beating Burton Albion away. Yeah. <laughs> I know, so we're doing with Burton Albion. We beat Barnsley, great, okay. And there's a couple of last minute goals that are great. I don't know. You know what I mean? It just feels pales into insignificance. Yeah. Um, I, I know uh, my step granddad. He's a big Alti fan as well, and he goes travelling or watching them like, all across the country, like you do. But he was there in the eighties, and I think he watched. He went to the Birmingham match and the Spurs match, um, and then of course uh, Alti went to Portsmouth recently, didn't they? Um, yeah. Which is a big old trip. Um, and I, before he went, I was like, "Can I have your ticket? This will be a historic moment to put up on my wall for like, Alti." And he's like, "Yeah, sure," because he, he wouldn't care about that really because he's gonna see Birmingham and Spurs. But yeah, it's just something good for me to put up on my wall, and it's just a bit historic, of course. 
something else yeah again for us ulti fans it you know i mean well i think when you were supporting them were they in the premier league they might have just been on the cusp but i remember portsmouth being this you know top seven top eight side really Saul campbell david james jermaine defoe peter crouch cranshaw always following harry redknapp of course uh, just you know the, these fantastic players and i think it was about 10 years from the day or since the day when we played them and then 10 years ago sorry that ac milan had played them at Oh, yeah. I mean, the contrast for them would have been heartbreaking, but for <laughs> us, it was so proud. So that gave us a glimmer of what they, yeah, your granddad had seen, Dan. But yeah, I'm just so envious of these people that have gone and seen these fantastic moments. And hopefully, we'll be able to, I'll be able to live them one day. But yeah, no, I agree. It's a piece of history, isn't it? Because hopefully, Pompey will be back as well. They're a big club. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's good to it's good to have those little souvenirs. Yeah. Alex, do you want to hit him with the next question? Uh, so, like, uh, I just wondered what you were planning on doing, like, in the future with the podcast. Like, if you were going to expand or anything, like, what were you thinking of? No, it's a really good question. So, it, I mean, it's the million dollar question, is it? How do you keep expanding your podcast? The frustrations you hear, you just want people to keep leaving your reviews, retweeting. I mean, it's the stress of it, isn't it? That That's the only yeah. maybe downside of doing it that you just, I'm constantly begging people, could you retweet it? Could you give us a review? Could you say a nice comment? Could you pass it on to a friend? That's the only hard part. But what we're doing, so I've got an exciting bit. I can give you a little bit of an exclusive. We're going to operate a YouTube channel which is we're really excited for. That is going to be phenomenal as soon as we get people within the studio because we don't really know how to um, do it on Zoom yet. We probably could, but I think the real effect will come when it gets to a YouTube because I have, I love YouTube podcasts. I think they're great. They're, we've got um, a machine that can you know live record. You can change um, cameras during, the, during whilst you're recording, wow. so that would be really good. It just offers a completely different dynamic and I think that, you know, we're trying to get to a thousand followers now on Twitter. For us, that's our main platform, maybe because I see it as a big football platform. I'm not as used to Instagram as probably you guys are. And I'd be so interested to know how you have built such a large community on Instagram, because that's one area we have really struggled to break through. But so yeah. one of the things will be, again, to break through on Instagram. But this YouTube channel is going to be huge. But it, the, the other thing as well, it's just getting the, the next step of the guests, these bigger guests. And I know I'll always be focused on non-league, but the problem is, is that some expect money. Now, you'd probably not yeah. think of that and you'd, and people just do it for the love. But again, that, you know, people want to be paid if they're going to be offering the services or some people expect to be. And it's difficult to either know whether to go down that uh, avenue or and just or just keep going for people that want to come on for the love. It's a really difficult question yeah. because if people are coming on for being paid. Are they going to be as enthusiastic? Are you going to look at it a bit more cynically? Or again, but then are you going to be able to move to the next step if you're not going for these bigger guests? Exactly. So yeah. I'd say, yeah, to round up, it's probably going to be YouTube channel, which we're definitely going to do. We're going to need to break through on Instagram and we're just going to have to keep trying to find as many big hitters as possible. It takes yeah. time, but... You guys, I mean, I'd like to hear how how did you guys break through on Instagram? That well, that's something really interested. Well, Alex, me and Alex both hold the account, but Alex is like the regular uh, person who posts it. So, Alex, I'll let you explain. Uh, I I, I don't <laughs> know. I just um, tried to post regularly. Uh, I tried to not only post about like what we're doing on the podcast, but post about like news and stuff, and people want to hear and like maybe attract people. Uh, other way as well um but i also use uh, i mentioned my everton account it's got um 
4,000 followers. So I also use the publicity of that to maybe push some uh, fans over to the, the YouTube account and the, and the podcast as well. So that's the main um, thing we do to, to get people over from Instagram to maybe YouTube or Spotify to uh, come on to the podcast. So. so is the main lesson regular content then? Is that yeah, what pretty much. And then yeah. what's quite important is, is like hashtags as well. That's very important uh, because it'll pop up on people's feeds, of course. Uh, and then story. I know uh, Twitter have just introduced it, a fleet or something. Uh, I, think, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a story. Um, you put hashtags on that as well and just keep everybody reminded and updated. Um, yeah, I've not, I'm not, again, probably because you guys are a bit younger, even though a lot of you know, my age group do as well, they... Um, they do Instagram, but for me, I've, it's something that I've just never really focused on. Maybe because I haven't used it, but that's a problem. Because just because I doesn't don't use it doesn't mean everybody else do, doesn't. I think it's probably yeah. one of the most used platforms, isn't it? So I'll, I'll take your advice on board, guys, because I think it'll be invaluable for us. Yeah, I was looking at uh, your accounts the other day on social media, and it's weird to see because you've got about nine hundred followers on Twitter or something like that, haven't you? And then we've got nine hundred followers on Instagram. And then yeah, I, I you... also saw. Yeah, and then you're doing you're doing really well on uh, on Instagram as well, um, but then we're not doing so well on Twitter. So it, it's interesting to see uh, different platforms. Yeah. But maybe guys, a younger audience. Yeah, it might be. I mean, do you guys use Twitter as much then? Because uh, I use it um, mostly to get information, but I don't post on it uh, as often as I do with uh, YouTube because it's like I don't know. It's it's not as interactive. I don't think Instagram so. I also think it's easier to get with the hashtags, especially on Instagram, it's easier to get followers because yeah. I, I hold the Twitter account and I try and post as regularly as possible, but it's, you need that retweet really off a big person yeah. and then that'll get you going. Um, but yeah, we've just not had that break yet, but yeah, we'll be waiting for it. I think we were lucky in that respect because our first interview was with a guy called Jordan Hume, who's really big personality right. within the league, really well known. He was, Ulti strike, unfortunately, he's left the AFC file, but what a top bloke as well. And because we were Ulti fans, he was really willing to come on because his line was, and I, I love this, is you support us on Saturdays, I'll support you. And I thought, yeah, yeah what a good. great bloke. You know, mo most people don't think this about footballers, whatever, full-time, part-time, professional, uh, semi-professional, but that really helps us. He's got 6,000 followers on Twitter. I think that's his main channel. And we just came as an account. He retweeted us, got 100 followers straight away. And I think that, added the stepping stone for us and you know it can be a painful grind because you guys will get that you'll have some days where you think what's the point even though you get on podcast 20 you think what's the point now i haven't been retweeted today same with the podcast I put out today it's got one retweet i think usually i can get 20 now yeah. i've got one i think what's going on am i doing something wrong whereas the next podcast you put out does brilliantly and it it's this up and down up and down and i know most people say don't get up don't get too up, don't get too down. But I suffer from the problem of up here sometimes, so euphoric in the next day with a podcast, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've also, we, you, you'll know what TikTok is, don't you? You of know course, what TikTok is, yeah. So yeah, we made an account up on that and Alex is also the manager of that. And Alex, do you want to explain how you put out the rubbish video ever and it got a ton of views? Uh, so I just uh, found this um, video on Twitter. It was like an Everton fan, a young Everton fan's first time seeing Goodison Park. And I just um, uh, used that video and put some audio over it. And then it, it got like uh, 750,000 views. 
What? So, um, yeah. And we gained like one and a half thousand followers as well from it. So um, it's a bit weird, but yeah. It's uh, it, yeah, it was mad because like Alex said before, it was the most, like, it was the worst video you could think of, really. Uh, but then everybody in the comments, because I don't know, do you know uh, at Premier League grounds, you're not allowed caps on your bottles? Yes, oh, mate, that, yeah. that's one moment. Oh, <laughs> idea for the radio here. It's just, oh, that is, yeah, so I know. Then, yeah. Like, carry on, Dan. Um, so the kid added it on, like, a fruit juice or something. But then in all the comments, it was like, he's got a cap on. How has he got that on? <laughs> Rather than talking about, like, the actual video. Oh, it was mad it was mad Honestly, at the time yeah that just on a point about social media that that is annoying so i've used canva quite a lot i don't know about you oh, guys yeah. if you're aware of it but for the listeners it's a graphic design portal should we say that that's what it is and you know i can spend hours on that making a graphic and it get a few retweets and i'd be happy and it might gain me a couple of followers but sometimes i can just pick i picked a poem off non-league football which is a facebook account i credited them on twitter it got over 300 likes that took me five seconds and you just what is the method (laughs) in this that's the frustrating part because there's no consistent way of saying right this works this doesn't it's not necessarily there's a correlation a positive correlation between more effort and successful post there's nothing yeah um right my next question is uh what do you think about alti's um developments on the stadium because plans came out a couple of months ago now um and it looks it looks good but then you don't want to lose the old school effect here Mate, you've summarised exactly what I'm thinking right now. I think it's a great development for the football club because I know they will be eventually wanting to go full-time, attracting more fans as well, and eventually you probably could see them pushing for Football League. Not, you know, in the next five years, but it could easily come. So it looks really impressive. The problem, I've got a couple of, you know, problems. I wouldn't want it to lose that organicness. You know, the whole point of Alice is you go in for the terraces, the beers, it's great, you know, everyone chat. But then again, the, the thing is, is that that stadium has needed a redevelopment since the 70s, the 80s. Yeah. It, it's, it's got holes in roofs. It's it, it's dirty, a lot of it. There's so many problems. It is crumbling. And I think that we do need a surface, the, a, a new, re, a, a complete redevelopment of the ground. But again, that costs millions of pounds. Yeah. The thing, The only thing that I would... Urge on the side of caution is if it was all seated or some of it was safe standing. As long as some of it is terraced, then I'd be a hundred percent behind it. That is my only qualm about it because, again, people go for non-league football. Of course, Ulster were playing some beautiful football. It's the best we've probably played in the last thirty years. But another big reason is to stand on the terraces with your mates. You can't do that, United. You can't do that, City. Yeah. Never going to outbeat. You're going to never going to outcompete them with the football you play, but you can with the atmosphere that you generate. And that is the thing that Ulti wins time and time again. Yeah. Um, I th- we, we went, Alex, didn't we? Um, we did a little yeah. match day vlog thing uh, and it's up on the new YouTube. Um, and it it was good, but like you said, it, it's got like holes in the roofs and stuff like that. So that might need to be redeveloped. And I actually went to another game. I can't remember who it was against, but I was, do you know the line for like where you get all your burgers and stuff from? Oh, mate, yeah, of course. I yeah. Um, so I was there with my granny and we were sat in the queue. The queue was massive, as I don't, it's normally packed on big games, especially. Um, but 
they they score about three goals. Alti scored three goals in about what was it, ten minutes or something. And we were still in the queue waiting for a burger. Oh, yeah, and we yeah. get there, and I asked for a burger and hot chocolate. And he says, "Yeah, we got a burger. We're not got a hot chocolate though," <laughs> which was good about, yeah. but it's what it is. Yeah. No, I can I completely get it. I think that is some of the frustrations. That the problem is, and it's it's such a difficult thing because, but I think they're they're everyone is a volunteer at Alti. I, I you know I completely get frustrations because I've been there so many times. The problem is, is that because no one there's going to be very few people that will do these jobs in the turnstile. It's just unfortunately that is all, that is going to happen. I don't think it should, but it's just it's one of those really annoying things. And everywhere will be in non-league because in the bigger grounds they'll be paid you know the turnstile operators people working in kiosks but in a non-league because they haven't got the finances that's why we've got to charge a quid for a can of coke it yeah. seems a bit of a rip-off but because it's all going to the club and we need to make some form of a profit so i completely get the frustrations and that does put some people off it's just a huge catch 22 for us yeah. but I, I completely get you that is one of the big downsides of non-league football yeah, a, a quid for a can of Coke's not that bad, actually. At United, um, a bottle of water is about three quid. Oh. And you're talking about just like your standard bottle, nothing 150 milliliters, something like that. Nothing massive. <laughs> it's stupid. The pies are about four quid. And oh, it's just terrible, the prices. Um, I, mean, the, I mean, there's so many things that put me off Premier League football. That is one of them, the eight, nine quid hot dogs. But... I, I, I obviously I couldn't understand why people love it. The football is brilliant, but I just I feel that I'm not maybe part of it. I think that is one of the big things about my, uh, Premier League football. But it's just yeah, I don't know. That's probably one of the things with Ulster. You feel really part of something there. If you're not there, then they will notice. If you're not at United or City, then someone else will just take your seat. Yeah, and, and that's my maybe my main criticism of it. Just to yeah. get controversial yeah. there. Apologies, guys. That's no, fine. <laughs> Alex, do you want to go with another question? Ask another question. Uh, so, yeah. Um, have you got any aims for your like personal career in media or is it uh, just like just with the podcast? Oh, another good question, as I keep saying to every one of uh, yours, you guys. Um, I'd, I would love to have a career in media. I, I love it. I think that, you know, I think that, well, probably all of us anyway will be doing so many jobs throughout our careers but media would definitely be one of them that I think that and it's been one of those lucky things that soon and I've talked about it right at the start of the podcast that it was a real lucky thing for me to come back hate this ski season and then find out that I love podcasting I love broadcasting I love writing the difficulty is again that because it's such a competitive field I didn't do a journalism MA or a BA I did a I did a degree um, and I'm you know really proud of it and I loved it but I probably in hindsight should have done a journalism degree and I'd, I'd probably advise anyone coming into it to do that because that has been the real uh, fence and uh, the obstruction between me getting into a media career at the moment. I've only been properly applying for the last couple of years, but I'd love to. I, I think that I, I particularly broadcasting because I just love the conversations, whatever it's about, footy politics, anything, you know, whatever you want to talk about. So I, I would love to, and I, hopefully the podcast acts as a stepping stone as well, but again, I don't just see the podcast as a stepping stone. I absolutely love it. And I will want to continue that for, for as long as I can, really. You know, as long as yeah. I've got these facilities, because it's just an amazing way to have conversations with people that you would never normally speak to. 
Yeah. I'd like to hear uh, your guys as well, because you guys are quite young. What are your careers set on the media? I know, Dan, as well, you are, you're doing something in media, aren't you, at the moment? Um, yeah, so I, I was getting meant to start at Nutsford FC um, to do some, uh, like like what you're doing with Ulti, which we'll come on to a bit, uh, just doing like match reports. And then, of course, I'm also doing Radio Ulti stuff um, because you do pastries in the morning. Um, don't you yeah which is good everybody check that out if you're listening um but yeah i'm just trying to get experience like you uh, in the media industry um so yeah i'm just just biding my time let's just say <laughs> um now my next question is about uh so everybody goes on about like oh the the gap between the premier league and non-league but nobody talks about league two and league one um so i just wanted to get your thoughts on that um because, yeah, that's not really a question that I've ever heard been answered. So the gap between non-league and League One and League Two? Uh, yeah, uh, or what do you think on the leagues? Yeah, so I think this is, again, one of the questions that I hear all the time, that people always go that the gap between our level of footballers, so, you know, probably good amateur footballers and non-league is a lot smaller than non-league in the Premier League. I say to them in one word, rubbish. That is just not true at all. I think that what people have got to realise as well is that a lot of the people within Premier League clubs who go through new systems get to 18 and get dropped. A lot of them then end up filtering down to non-league and then realise they're not good enough even for that. So that the standards between these excellent players in the Premier League compared to your professionals in non-league, is get, I think is getting smaller and smaller personally. And I'm seeing that on a weekly basis when I'm going on and reporting for Ultram because I'm seeing all these brilliant full-time teams and yeah. I just think that because I've seen so many league two and league one teams you know double back back to back relegations from league one and filter back in to a non-league I think on record since the conference was formed in 1990 there is only one team that has since coming down has gone straight back up that shows you how competitive the league is now yeah. league two won't vote uh, they won't make the relegation uh, spots any bigger because only two go down from League Two into the conference, only two go up from the conference. I think that's incredibly unfair, but again, probably a different matter for a, or a, de- a debate for another day. But that makes it even harder because you've got to be champions to get promoted automatically. And then what you get is a real congestion of full-time teams in the conference. And there's a reason now, there's only three part-time teams in the in um, the National League and us being one of them, Fieldstone being the other. And I think Dover, again, they just went back to part-time. Again, they're bottom of the league now. So it just shows you how competitive, because these are professional footballers. These are professional teams. And it is, again, a massive sign of how good they are because as soon as they get promoted, they never end up coming straight back down. They're there for years. I All the teams I remember stay there for ages. Some of them get promoted again, Burton Albion. Another great example. They were in the championship for at least a season, maybe two. Luton Town comfortably in the championship again. We were playing them. We 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 you know drawing nil nil against them, getting good results. Grimsby, I think they're near the top of League One. Lincoln, top of yeah. League One. You know, this it shows you how competitive non-league is and how the standards are so close. So when people usually rubbish non-league and just think it's pub football, I'd say it's not the non-league that you think you know. It has changed beyond all recognition. Yeah, I think um, I think it, money has a big thing to do with it as well because we've seen it with yeah. the Premier League, of course, with like Man City. But then I know like all like quite small clubs like Salford City, of course. Um, what were your thoughts on them because they went from zero to hero, really, don't they? Yeah, again. It... It feels quite bittersweet in one way because 
when I was younger, I'd always want Alty to be taken out uh, by a big buyer and get to the Championship or League One, even though, like Fleetwood have, they're near their, near their, I think they're mid table League One. Again, Burton have yeah. done a good job, but they weren't bankrolled. The thing is with Salford, I, I was a bit bitter on because that the, so what did the class of 92 took them over, changed the completely color of the kits, huge money invested in them. They were just a normal nothing team and then they became massive. You know, the, I think yeah. when they played AFC Fylde, in the in Wembley, uh, uh, the player final, Wembley, yeah, yeah. five thousand people there. I think Ulti would have bought nine, eight thousand. Maybe that was being a bit too liberal, yeah. but a conservative estimate. We'd have probably bought about six thousand there. And I think the, these are just bankrolled. This shows that those teams don't have any history. They don't have real supporters. They're just bankrolled by a few people that want them as the little toy on a weekend. You know, or a bit more of professional football, put some money in. That being said, it's probably fantastic for the community because as I don't live in Salford, I don't know the positive effects that that's had on the community. So it's difficult. I was really bitter though. And I was one of those typical non-league fans that were slating Gary Neville saying, you know, this is just completely unfair. It's just a rich boys play thing. Again, I can see the other argument because I've talked to a Salford fan. I've had him on my own podcast. He's been supporting them for years and he thought, well, it's not their fault that they've had a rich Russian owner come in and a few and the class of 92 spend their money that they can't do anything about it. All they can do is keep supporting the team and cheer them on and, you know, good on them, I say, because they're going through some great times. But the only thing as well, and I'll leave this with this big caveat before um, I'll go back to you guys, is that I worry for these teams because we've seen it all too often that these rich owners come in. I think it was Doc Martens as well for Russian and Diamonds. They come in, spend a load of money, have a big falling out, pull the plug, and that's it. They have to, they go bust. They go into administration five, ten years later, and never seen again. And the resurgence of them is just nothing like because the Phoenix teams, if they can't create that momentum that some teams have, and AFC Wimbledon are proof of that. If they can't create that momentum again, then that's it for them. You know the. Yeah. It'll be a shadow of the former selves. And I, that would pay me to happen to altering him. Yeah. Alex, just before you go on to your next question, um, we've seen like Macclesfield go bump, uh, Berry. What do you think about the administration and stuff like that? Because it's it seemed ever since Berry, it seems to just have like gone off the scales because of COVID and everything. But something needs to be done, in my opinion, anyway, because they're just letting clubs like die basically and not doing anything about it. I mean, the funniest thing for me is I used to relish at that because Altrincham used to be, and this is when I started supporting them, we used to come fourth bottom of the conference, which means you're relegated. But we used to win something called the AGM Cup, which is called the annual general meeting. The clubs meet and talk about finances right at the end of the season. But we used to be called the AGM Cup because we'd get there, the team would have had to go into administration because the finances are way off. And then we'd end up getting reprieved and play conference football the next season because a team had gone belly up. So yeah. three years in a row, we got relegated, thought we're gone. Oh, the teams, Salisbury have gone bust. Oh, we've got National League football again. Beautiful, lovely. Yeah. So it was one of those things that I thought, I feel for the clubs, but I used to think, well, we have our finances in order. You know, we don't overspend because sometimes I do feel bitter. I think, you know, that there's loads of teams have done it. Histon, Salisbury, um, again, Maxford. But if they're overspending, you can only spend what you can afford with clubs. And, you know, we, it's painful for Alty because, again, that we've had so many years where we've only spent what we can afford and we've not done very well. And I just think that, you know, as harsh as it sounds, teams have just got to abide by that principle. Having said that, when I see that when Macclesfield are in 
£100,000 worth of debt and that's just probably a player's wage a week. I do think, mm. while Premier League clubs... Yeah. Premier League clubs could do something about it. But then again, I think it's a deeper question that sometimes clubs have just got to look after their own finances first and think, hold on, if we are spending more than what's coming in, this is going to be a big problem. And it, I mean, it's going to cause complete havoc on communities that have been supporting these clubs for decades. Yeah. I mean, go on, Alex, sorry. I was going to say, I think that's what happened with um, with Norwich Vicks. Like, we were at a drill field, like, since, like, some like 1875, until 2003, where they uh, eventually sold it. Then we went to Witten for three years. But then they built the um, the Victoria Stadium, which was like, oh, new big stadium with uh, the best facilities around. But we kept that for like two or three years until we just couldn't afford to keep it anymore. And it looked like the club was going to develop with the new stadium. But realistically, like we just couldn't afford to keep it running. And I think that's one of the big things with non-league guys unless you have a, a very wealthy owner who can afford to keep the clubs running, then it's going to be hard. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why Norwich did end up like splitting up and everything. So that's I think a big, big thing. Yeah. Don't sell out your, your ground when they're in the middle of the community. And that, that's what makes these historic grounds that I love going to is you see that they're backed onto terraced housing and they've got a news agents there, a chippy on the other side, maybe a bar booze as well, that they are in the middle of something, not these huge retailer parks where you just see a Toys R Us and a Curry's PC World. You think, yeah. what what's that about? It just seems soulless. A big problem for these teams, and this happened to Northwich, I think they sold out to a Tesco. And again, because it's a, it was a bit out of town, People go to Alty sometimes because it's just on the doorstep. Whereas if that was behind South Trafford College, which they were, they were planning 30 years ago to put it there, then we would have probably dwindled into insignificance and then bam, we're out. You know, Walshingham yeah. are no more. So they're putting these teams into, yeah, just it does, it causes the demise. I'm definitely down for that. And I think that when these big clubs or these clubs think, right, yeah, we're going to really push on now by getting this new ground I'd say be careful what you wish for just look at the evidence because it doesn't end pretty for a lot of clubs yeah yeah I think uh, going back to uh, like places around non-league and around the stadium, I think Brentford had like four pubs or something on each corner, something ridiculous like that at their old stadium anyway, uh, before yeah. they moved into this new modern one. Um, but going back to what you said before about uh, the class of 92 and everything like that and all Barry going bump, what gets me is Gary Neville and Phil Neville are both from Barry and they, they didn't even like make any effort to put any money into it or anything. That's that I felt that was a bit disappointing from them. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I completely agree with you, mate, because you think that they've lived here their whole lives. And I always think that with Ultron sometimes, I think there's so many footballers that live in here. Why can't they just, you know, pull the finger out and put a few hundred thousand pounds yeah. into it? I think you've lived here your whole lives. So, no, that really just made me feel bitter because they don't realise that that will have destroyed so many people's lives. Let's be honest about that. Barry yeah. Garrett Bust will have crumbled people's you know they've supported them for yeah. 50 60 years and they're gone they can't go there and it, it really saddens me because i would it, it would you know it'd ruin any football fan if the yeah. club went because again it's just such a it's such a release sometimes to go to football it's massive so no i completely agree with you i think it's really quite sad that these these professional footballers who have lived there their whole lives could just put their heads together and think Right, we really need to help this club out. Put the finances order and go, you're not doing this again. Because sometimes yeah. clubs do make a mistake. Yeah. But it it's like a so from a Premier League point of view, we like a lot of fans, like I wouldn't say it. 
But a lot of fans would just say, oh, well, they've got Rochdale down the road, just go and see them. But it's their club, like their club. And like you said, the community's just gone and now they've got nothing left, really. I know a Phoenix club's coming up, but it's not the same old Berry. So. You're completely right there. And I think this is what the problem with Premier League supporters is. And I've got this question my whole life. They say, who do you support? They go, Ultron Football Club. And they go, well, who do you properly support? Or do you support anywhere else? I think that is the big offensive because that is the... The big question because I think no, they are the proper team. You know that that is, and I'll go back to my argument before that I said that when you go to Ulti, you recognise, you remembered. It has a huge impact following them home and away. That the players remember you, the managers recognise you. You know the people that are serving your chips know you. When you're cheering, that really makes a huge impact on the players' performance. Where again, it doesn't feel proper, or it doesn't feel that you're having the same impact if you go to a bigger team. And it that that's my main then that's my one pet hate. And when people you talk about football, they go, and because they haven't heard of him, they're generally a bit more ignorant and they'll go, Well, who do you properly support? Oh yeah. Awful. You're done. <laughs> so that's my TED talk there. <laughs> yeah. I think going back to the community stuff, I went to crew my first ever crew game was in twenty thirteen. And that they were in League Two then and that was that three divisions below the Premier League. And after the game, uh, I went with my uncle and he was like, uh, let's just go in the pub. And I was like, all right. Next minute, the players come through and they're all having pints with like the fans and stuff like that. And it's only three divisions below. And I was quite shocked by that. And they were doing autographs and everything. But yeah, it's just it's just that uh, community feel that you don't really get uh, the top clubs. But It just shows you the beauty of football then, doesn't it? That is, that's what non-league... I mean, they're not doing it as many, much now, I don't think. Well, I've spoken to National League managers and they want them to. But that is what people love about non-league, particularly, is that they go in, they have a pint with the play, they have a pint with the players, they have a laugh. You yeah. know, it feels that like you're really in there. It feels like you're really close, and that, that's what you won't get because, and not that it's to say that all these players are so aloof, but they just can't probably because of the security as well. But yeah. I think sometimes it doesn't do good to their egos when they're earning three hundred, four hundred thousand pounds, and they just, you know, they've got all these huge PR teams that saying tweet here, tweet there. I mean, you'll know Alex as well when Victor and each beat. It's funny, but. Yeah, on that Twitter, they said, say something like, the fans are great today. And I accidentally tweeted, say something like. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was going to say, after the game, I think um, it's weird because all the, all the players, like all the Everton players, when they finish the game, they all tweet like just kind of the same thing, but in like different words. And I think it must be something to do with the club. And it's just a bit weird to see like the difference between some of the, like the Premier League players, um, accounts and then you go down to some players like league two players and conference players and their accounts are just like free like to say what they want and they express their views a lot more but i guess i guess they can because it's not that strict and it it won't mean the club like end up in some difficulties or anything so i guess that's a also a benefit of being in like sort of non-league league two sort of that kind of level yeah uh, I think um, going back to like how you feel like in the community, when I go to United because I'm a season hit ticket holder for about a year um, previous, of course, of course of COVID, um, I literally, so go to Tesco, uh, park there, go across the road, maybe have like a chip, chip, like go to the chippy or something, then go in the stadium, sit down, watch the game, then I'm straight back out. <laughs> because everything's either over overpriced 
or the people around me in the seats, it used to be Thomas Cook seats. So they just used to buy them different people every week. You don't really get to have like the banter with um, what you normally would do who are ev- uh, there with you every single week. Sorry. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like what you're saying there with Alty Tom. It doesn't feel like that. That's put me off. I mean, Roy Keane coined the phrase prawn sandwich brigade, didn't he? To refer yeah. to, just go to the boxes, go for the lovely food. And that's what it feels. It feels more of an occasion. A lot of the Premier League football that people go for these comfy seats, drink champagne, eat wonderful meals. And that's, that sounds great. Don't get me wrong. But then you go to non-league and you go and you know the away, you know everyone there. That's yeah. the beauty of it. And it might not be the warmest, luxurious place in the world. But for me, that is football. Because I'm going there. I know my, I know my routine as well. You can go out into Alter. You might see a couple of other players. You can have a laugh. And they're just normal people at the end of the day. These yeah. are the people that, you know, the, the mechanics, they're, they work in finance, they work in IT. They're just normal people playing football, excellent football players, but, and they can just have a chat with you at the game. And you, you know, they're, but they're, obviously, of course, they're still professionals and they're excellent at what they do, but it's just that name-to-name basis sometimes that you have and just you feel that you can share the experiences more. Whereas if you see a Premier League footballer, you're more aghast. You think, wow, Premier League footballer, let's take a yeah. million photos of him. That, that's the first thing. Whereas if I saw maybe an Alti player, Josh Hancock, one of our best ones, to go up and have a, have a chat with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just different because I saw uh, Patrice Everin Hale when I was about eight uh, and I just rushed out of the car with my mum and I was like, get, get, get a photo with Patrice. And we just went around this flower shop and we were just like, all right, okay, how are we going to do this? And then my mum goes up to him and says, can I just have a picture? Um, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, if like you said, if it was just like Josh Hancock, you could just go up to him. But with like all these like high higher quality footballers and stuff like that, I don't know. You don't have much confidence, I would say, because the, uh, you don't feel community-wise. But because I, I don't, I don't, I do not blame the people going up to the footballs and taking pictures. But I've, I've done that so many times. It's just the thing that I'd miss is that that's not one how I want to see people on my team. I want to see them as in they're not, you know, the normal people that I can go up to, but also the, the great footballers as well. And that, that's the thing that they just seem so distant from you in the prem. They just, yeah, it just yeah. seems a completely yeah. different world. Yeah. Um, Alex, what's your next question? Uh, so, our, uh, who's been your favourite person to maybe interview uh, or come on to the podcast? Wow, mate. Um, hopefully I won't offend anyone in this now because we've had, uh, I think we've done 40 podcasts as of today. So, wow. well, I mean, I'm just going to say this before anyway, that everyone has been phenomenal um, on the podcast. We've loved it. Been brilliant. But there's a few that stood out because of just because maybe the occasion or the laughs I think that Jordan Hume was our first one again he was amazing phenomenal guest it's been our most successful podcast as well and it was just quite surreal here because again he was an ulti hero we've been playing so well our best player came in started the podcast out went off storming start and I just thought it couldn't have been more perfect we had a goalkeeper called Craig Dutson he was phenomenal that's the podcast that I've probably listened to back the most and I'd also say on the theme of goalkeepers as well as Dukes, and there's a guy called Tim Deasy, who is a good friend of one of my cousin. He was at his wedding as well. And that's how we started chatting. He used to play for Alti a bit, but he was such a good storyteller. It was so insightful. Some of the heartbreaks that he'd encountered at Wembley. So he played all through the FA Trophy run for Gates, uh, for Barrow, sorry. 
when they, on their FA Cup, uh, the FA Trophy, sorry, run in 2011, got to the final, they dropped him for the day. And he talked, to, talked a lot about that and the heartbreak of that so many international players haven't got to Wembley, national, yeah. huge names, and that he was about to play, brought two coachfuls of family down and he couldn't even get on the pitch, even though he played all run. So there's been ups and downs with it because, you know, you hear some so funny stories, but then you hear things like that that make you think, wow, you know, it really puts things into perspective that, you know, you're having a laugh with people, but then you can feel pretty somber a lot of the time as well. So those are my top three, I'd say, because they've just, they've had everything. They've had laughs. You've been sad with them. But yeah, I think that the more diverse they are, if they've got everything, you know, is in so many different emotions and moods in them, that would generally be, for me, like the best podcast that you want to start achieving. Yeah. And now like I've listened to a couple of podcasts and I've never seen as much laughter in a single podcast episode than it's in it than it is in yours oh damn that i really rate that thank you so much that, i mean because that's what it originally was it was meant to be just laughs it was just meant to be joke after joke after jokes we thought if we're doing non-league footy one then the way to get premier league football um fans is to keep the laughter going to see how funny non-league is it's yeah. probably moved even though we still laugh i probably do laugh most episodes at least a fair few times we've tried to do maybe a bit more seriousness uh, we've tried to focus more on the serious side a little bit um maybe that i think that's inadvertent we've not initially intended for that but it's that yeah i'm really nice to hear that from a, a you know a third party hearing it about the, hearing the laughter because again you just you don't notice these things if you edit them every every yeah. week uh, no thanks very much Dan. yeah that's no, fine um I, i've listened to a couple of episodes and the steve wilkes one of course, Northwich man, Northwich Rex manager. That that story about um, him getting a player to go and get sent off that just had me in bits. That I was oh. laughing my head off. I mean, that that's what non-leagues for you because there's a million of those stories out there. And again, he he had everything. I think he's up there. I completely forgot. He's definitely one of the top three, top four podcasts. Yeah. What a bloke! I mean, he's done everything. He nearly died. He's managed a host of teams. He's been pinned up against the wall by Sam Allardyce, nearly beaten up by him. You know, he's had, he's had everything. Yeah. He's so funny, such a genuine guy. But he, he could speak for England. He was so enthusiastic about non-league. And again, I remember it, I think it was a summer's day. He was sat there in the studio. And when it was about an hour and a half, I thought, this is exactly why I love podcasting. These guys telling yeah, everything. Yeah. It's got everything, this podcast. Highs, lows, laughs, cries. Yeah, that is excellent. But yeah, oh, mate. I mean, trying to get yeah, the referee as well, going back to the that specific episode, knowing that he was trying to get this man sent off. Again. <laughs> yeah. I'm not having it. Yeah, you, can have, you can leave for three, mate. I am carrying on this game. I think they still score with seven men or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was 6-1 in the end, I think. Something like yeah. that. And then when, the, when um, I don't know who was managing at the time, when they scored, he told them to all take the shirts off because they would have all got yellows. But the ref was like, no, we're not booking them. We're not booking them, <laughs> which was mad. Uh, but the other, the other episode that I did like as well was uh, Trafford FC. Like mm. I, Before that episode, I didn't hear, I've never heard of them before. And I lived, used to live around that area and I know the area quite well, but never heard of Trafford FC. And that gave me a really good insight. And they seem to have a ton of laughs on away days and even when they're at home games. They, they were great. They were great blokes as well. Really good. And um, one was called Andy, sorry. And I'm trying to think, what, what is it? Andy and I might have to edit this out because I don't want to. What was he called? Yeah, now? Um, oh, what was his name? I can't. Anyway, they, they were. Sorry, I'll go back. They were great blokes. Anyway, and dead, dead funny. It was just 
again, that we, we'd only known Trafford FC because we played against them in the FA Cup and we always organised a friendly, really good community club. Again, it's one of those that they are even more local than Altrincham. Like we, I mean, when you speak yeah. to non-league teams, they consider us as a massive, massive club. And there's a lot, you know, and we're, I would say, if you spoke to Average Joe, they'd say, I don't know, I've never even heard of Altrincham. What is it? So it was... Yeah, they were really good, proper community club. And it's one of those that even smaller, I think, how, you know, what it, what is it like? Because I feel that, you know, if we got 400, 500, we won't be able to generate an atmosphere. Whereas 400, 500 for them is a huge crowd. That's a bumper. Yeah. Um, that's a bumper attendance. So again, yeah. it's, it's brilliant to hear the insights of these people, but that, yeah, they were, they were top people. Yeah. Um, my next question is about sort of rivals. Um, now, Northwich Vicks went bump, as Alex will know very well. Yeah. Um, yeah um, but I, I'll come to you first, Alex, on this one. So you've got 1874, who, of course, the new club in Northwich. You've got Alty down the road. Who are you picking as your main rival for the Boxing Day? Of course, if nobody knows, National League games on the Boxing Day, they have like the big rival, Tom. I mean, that's, that shows how perfect National League football is because yeah. 26th, Boxing Day, 1st of Jan, New Year's, if you get to play your rivals, perfect time. Yeah, it is good. Um, so, Alex, if you had to choose between both of them, who would you choose? Um, well, I, the first thing I remember from uh, watching and listening about uh, Northwich Fix is my granddad used to take my uncle to Witten Albion games. Um, and he said that before... Uh, like before I was born and everything, it used to be Northwich Vicks versus Witten was like the, the main derby in the area. Um, and I know there's been all this about um, altering versus Northwich and everything. And then obviously in 2013, we went into ad- administration like the fifth time or something. And it was just um, a bit mad. And then obviously the owner, I think he sold the club and then they had a vote whether to split off into a new club. And it went... Um, and they made a new club. They obviously called it 1874. And I think that's where the, the main rivalries come from. Obviously, the, the hardcore fans have stayed and stayed at Northwich Vicks and kept it afloat. And then some fans have gone over to 1874 and um, made that into a club. And yeah, uh, the rivalry just stemmed from that. So at the moment, seeing as 1874, I know they're a league above uh, Vicks at the moment. I think at the moment, they'd be the... Um, uh, the the main rivalry, but going back uh, 15, 20 years, I think Altrincham or Witten would be the uh, the big one. Yeah. Um, what about you, Tom? Who would you say? Because you've got Stockport County, who of course are the bigger rivals now, and then you've also got Northwich, if they did come back up. So what would you say for that one? I mean, Northwich was always our one historically that I love playing, but I never, and now I really don't hate at all. I just miss yeah. them. That we, we, we were always quite good against Northwich. I think must have played about seven, eight times since this point and only lost once. Amazing away days. The last minute goals I saw, and this is when Altrincham weren't that good, that, you know, they were the few and far between moments that made watching Altrincham really worthwhile. So oh, Northwich, I feel, you know, I, I really love to reminisce about them. Macclesfield, I mean, again, they're not a club no, anymore, but I really hated going to Macclesfield. I really didn't like the supporters. Always felt very hostile there. I think they smashed one of our minibuses up. And, you know, how much animosity you feel against non-league clubs? You know, what is, what's going on here? We're, you know, we're on a... It just yeah. seems a bit bizarre. But again, we've always really had a bad relationship. With Stockport County, again, because we're not very good... very uh, We're never very good against them. But... 
they're, they're probably just too big for us, I think. that It's amazing to play them, and it's so good, you know, to to have the opportunity because when they were in League One, it was probably just a pipe dream and thinking that we'll have them on the FA Cup. Yeah. But they're a huge team. And again, they're just more looking up the leagues. I think they play us and think, okay, you know, they're just a small team from Greater Manchester as well that are down the road. So again, we don't really hold a rivalry with them. It's more Northwich historically, Mac again, gone bust. But I'd say the new one is Chester. Again, we're really good against Chester. They're only half an hour down the road. And for some reason, we're just becoming more and more bitter towards each other. That again, yeah. was, I think last time we played in the FA Cup, they had a few fans that came over to our end and started having a fight with our supporters. We're usually very good against them, so that annoys them. We're <laughs> always annoying them about not calling, you know, them letting the club die and they're not called City anymore. You know, yeah. typical rubbish banter that you have between uh, opposing fans. So I think Chester's the big one now because they're not big enough. They're not as big as they were and they know it. And, but then we've just come into the scene. We've, even though we're a smaller club historically, we've started beating them at those things. I, you know, I can't really remember the last time that Chester did beat us. Yeah. Um, I think, well, they, they've got a massive, massive rivalry with uh, Wrexham, of course, haven't they? Um, and they've, they've both got big stadiums and it's weird to see because like with Stockport County, especially, you look at them two, them three clubs compared to Alte and from an outsider's perspective, I wouldn't say that they were all in the same league just based off the stadiums. That's cool. Yeah, because we're, we're such a small stadium, aren't we? You know, going back to it, it's just falling apart. Yeah. It's nothing, and I think that is the one thing. Maybe one of the few things that is holding us back it is the ground. Again, with the ground we've got, we could go into League One for it. It's acceptable for that. It's not acceptable for the Championship because it's all got to be seated stadium. But again, I think if we got into the Championship, I think we'd be more than able to afford a full seated stadium yeah. by then. With the amount of money you get. So no, I agree with you. Yeah, um, I don't know if you do you know anything about the 1874 Vicks rivalry at all, Tom. I do. I do a bit. I, Again, I've, I spoke to Steve Wilkes a bit about it. It's really sad, the bitterness between them, because it's the supporters of 1874 think they have, they have, well, their club has the right, it's the original Northwich. Then, obviously, Northwich are a bit bitter because they say, no, we're the original team. It's really unfortunate because these two supporters that, you know, swore allegiance to the football club however many years ago, some of them decades and decades ago, and now their biggest rivals are themselves. Yeah. It really they're the same sense. fans. Yeah. You'll know a bit more about it, Alex as well, but it just that really saddens me because I think that is the main obstacle seeing a Northwich back in non-league, back yeah. in the national league. Yeah, Alex, you were saying that uh, they had to segregate the fans as well. Yeah, I think it was um, two or three seasons ago. Um, it ended three three three, and um, I think Vicks were up three uh, 0 at half time, and obviously it came to three three at full time, and then everything um, started. Uh, spicing up a little bit and then like police came along and started splitting up the fans so yeah it's probably good for um like total amount of people coming to the games it's probably attracting more people to come and watch um like the the rivalry between them and the like just for the amount of fans coming to to watch the games but ultimately they're they're the same club just split out the two and yeah it's just I can get why it is kind of sad that like that if they were alive 15, 20 years ago together watching Norfolk, they would have been celebrating the goals the same as uh, the same as each other. So it's it's a bit unfortunate to see like this team with all that history segregated into to two halves. Mm. So that's yeah, it's quite sad. But again, 
a lot of 1874 fans will, will be seeing it the other way, seeing like they should have everything going towards them. So, yeah, didn't your dad get like a butty thrown at his head as well? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a bit mad. Um, yeah, I was there for one of them. Uh, I don't think it was where all the police came along, but um, in other ones, it's got a bit more fiery. And I think a lot of people left um, before the final whistle. So, yeah. yeah. The last time I remember going to Northwich Vicks, I think I went with um, my dad because we always go to away games together. And I think we scored in the last minute and he was right next to the advertising boards because Pete loves to be re- a lot nearer the pitch than a lot of the fans. He's always on and uh, he's done this a couple of times. He went to go and reach the players and ended up doing a handstand on the pitch. <laughs> what is going on here? Oh, I was only about 10. I thought it was the funniest thing. In so the after world. a couple of pints? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> driving. It was, yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, our, our last question. I don't think you've got any more, have you, Alex? No, I don't think so. No, um, I just wanted to talk about uh, you going to the games whilst everybody's in lockdown. What's that been like for you? Mate, that has been an utter privilege, a real privilege. I was very lucky to get an internship with Altrincham today. I've been amazing because not only do I support Altrincham, but it's just invaluable experience in the media. And again, it's just, it's that release as well for lockdown, more importantly, however much I love football and however much I support Altrincham. It's that real viable excuse to go out and do something differently. And, you know, to see all these brilliant teams, but to also see Oldstringham as well, how well we've been doing. I saw us get promoted. I've seen us. We're now in the playoffs. We've never been this high in the National League during my lifetime. To, yeah. to be a part of that, speaking to Phil Parkinson on a weekly basis, to know the players on a bit more of a personal level as well. It, it's just phenomenal. I, I could not have envisaged this ever, really. Yeah. And, I've been really fortunate to get this experience, to watch Altrincham as well, week in, week out, but also to be able to get out during lockdown when it's been an incredible, difficult, incredibly difficult time for us all. So again, it's been, re- I've, been I've been amazing. I've been, I've been, yeah, so lucky. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a wrap. Thanks for coming on, Tom. Um, I'll leave uh, the non-league podcast um, links down below in the comments. Um, well, in the description, sorry. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, and then make sure to check out all of our social medias as well on Instagram, Twitter. And then go and follow uh, Non-League Lounge on Instagram. Try and get them up to a higher follower rate. And also go and follow them on Twitter as well. Uh, but yeah, Alex, anything to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just, um, yeah. 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 Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's been an honor. It's been a great episode, probably one of my best uh, ever, really. But yeah, um, we'll see you in the next one. uh, And yeah, that's bye from me. And me. Thank you, guys.